Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Insert Edition of Local Folks Podcast. My name's Bob Madar, and for our last visit with him, we're going to listen to Mickey talk about meeting the love of his life, his creative process as a sculptor, and some words of wisdom on how to live a full and meaningful life. Here's Mickey describing how he met his wife, Nora. And I gotta say, I just think this is a most charming and delightful story. And I just decided, I'm gonna go to Mexico because that's where social workers and teachers and people of that sort vacationed. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for a wife. So I went to San Miguel and I stayed at a hotel called the Guadalajara. And I was next to the... uh, to the foyer of the office was a little restaurant, you know. And I'm over here, and in the aisle behind me is a group of young women, maybe two or three, one of which was Nora. So I looked around, and being a bold-ass guy, (laughs) I... I picked up my coffee cup and I walked over to that table and I said very politely, may I finish my coffee with you? And the girls looked at each other and made room for me and I sat down and at one moment one of the women, Nora, stood up and I thought, whoa, (laughs) she she was like a, you know, a, a beautiful statue. Mm-hmm. Handsome of face and figure and leg. And I was gone at that moment, just gone. I never let her out of my sight. I showed off at every moment, jumping over fire hydrants and taking them to museums and <laughs> Actually, I had my eye on a younger woman. But when I saw Nora stand up, I thought, whoa, this is it. And I followed her all over the place, shopping, sightseeing, going to mountain towns. (laughs) And finally, we we were in Guadalajara, I think it was Guadalajara. And we were walking on the street. And I said, it was late, you know. I said, let's let's find a place and have a coffee. And Nora, who was very bold, she said, I have a better idea. I said, what's that? She said, let's go back to the hotel. Whoa! (laughs) I thought, if I blow this one, 
I might as well put a bullet through my head, you know. <laughs> well, we went back to the hotel and the concierge was sitting in front and we were shy about him. So we sat there and waited and waited and waited and waited and he never left. So we finally gave up. I went to my room, which was just past the foyer, and she was upstairs. We gave up. He wasn't going to disappear. Right. So I went to bed, and she went upstairs to her room. And that was the beginning. That's the beginning. That's After the that, I followed her all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, to the museums, you know, to the historical places, up into the mountains, to the little town mm -hmm. where there were markets. Mm -hmm. As I said in an earlier episode, uh, this narrative of Mickey's life is roughly chronological. And while I am sure that this story of Mickey meeting Nora took place after his service in World War II, I'm not quite sure when. After Mickey recovered from his wounds, he used the GI Bill to attend the School of the American Craftsman, located in Cornell, New York, where he trained as a machinist, and developed a lifelong love of working with metal. Let's listen to him as he talks about the beauty of running a metal lathe. If you draw your metal rod, which might be 10 inches in diameter and, mm -hmm. and rough, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm and you tighten your chuck, you know what a chuck is. I do. And, and the, the metal, of course, has just, has recently come out of the fire. Mm -hmm. So it's all scale, you know. Oh yeah, like a rough casting. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. rough. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you bring a tool See, you have four tools on 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 the horizontal bed, mm -hmm. and six in in the in the turret. In the turret, right. and you bring your tool on the on, you know it's got four positions. Mm -hmm. You loosen it, you put, you sharpen your tool, and you got to know how to do that. Yeah, that's right. And I did that by instinct because mm -hmm. if you do it too fine it gets ruined in the first cut just right and I had a good instinct for it and you know you you turn it up to the to the piece of metal that you've tightened in the chuck and turn pull up the automatic feed and it cuts. And there's something poetic about that. It's just, there's a beauty to it. And after you've got the scale off the, off this, this bar of metal, which might be eight inches thick, mm -hmm. and then you turn your tool into the clean metal 
and it peels off, you know. Uh-huh. It's something beautiful about it. When I first visited Mickey in his home, I noticed several sculptures made from wood and metal, and I soon realized that he was the artist who created those beautiful pieces. Here's Mickey talking about becoming a sculptor, why wood was his material of choice, and the process he used to create his art. to be a sculptor and I rented a a store it was a little store you know it was half a store okay all right Mm -hmm. and I sat down with a with a uh, you know a, a stump of wood and an axe And I started to chop. And one thing led to another. No, you need a different tool. So I went out and bought tools. And then, well, you know, this and that, and and finally, I had a a bunch of chisels. (laughs) Very hard to remember. I would think. It was probably a while back. What? That was a long, that was a while ago, huh? Oh, couple, two, three days. (laughs) Yeah. to sculpt in clay so I got a bunch of clay and I set it up and it was unsatisfactory everything went too fast you, you, you put your hand on and the whole thing changes you know what I mean? I do, yes. I had a had resistance of the material. And that was the nature of, of the dialogue, you know. It's a very mysterious process, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. get out in my studio and cut and hammer and nail eight, ten hours and enjoy every minute, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes I didn't know what the hell to do with a piece, you know. I would come to a point where I didn't know where to go. And I would just leave it. And that feast, for example, mm -hmm. it was sitting on my on my workbench. And I opened the cellar door. There was cellar steps. And then on a bench was the trunk. And I looked at it and bingo, I knew just what to do. That's interesting because, so if I got this right, you had made the trunk and had it where you kind of just it was it was it was it wasn't complete but it you, was headless it was headless and you didn't know at that point what you wanted to do with it to finish it that's right how and so then you let it sit for a while just you didn't didn't do anything to it you just kind of let it sit there yeah and then one day you turn on the light you go down the cellar steps to your sh studio, you look over, you see it, and you go, oh. Just like that. I'll be damned. Yep. Huh. There must have been some raw things that inspired me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it was headless. It was it was the headless torso. Yeah. You know, one one thing I think it's interesting too, Mickey, in a way, is that in some ways the creative act almost becomes an unconscious act. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You don't make it up. It happens. Are you surprised sometimes by what the outcome is? In other words, when it comes to you and you kind of go, whoa. Well, you know, you look at the piece that's unfinished and you think, I know what has to be done. But while you're trying to finish it, it changes all the time. Because everything you do suggests something else. And you go with that. And then maybe suggest something else. And you go with that, you know. And it, it, it's a process, a creative process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that you just mentioned, Mickey, I think it's very interesting about the creative process is that it's not, it's not cut and dried in the sense that you start and it's a stepwise oh, process. Forget it. Maybe for some people. Mm -hmm. But for your process. No, no, me, it was uh, an, an, an evolving thing, you know. <clears throat> well, it sounds, it sounds like in, in some ways you were almost interacting with the work and the project. Oh, of course. Yeah. That it's feeding you information. It talks to you. You talk to it. It was a very 
it was a very exciting process. Oh, yeah. When you see a solution to where you're going, oh, that's energizing, you know. It was great. Toward the end of my time with Mickey, I asked him if, near the end of his life, he had any words of wisdom for folks on the qualities or values that are important for living a full and meaningful life. And he thought for a while, and, uh, and then he said, I would probably counsel tolerance, patience, industry, imagination. Tolerance, patience, industry, and imagination. Seems like pretty good advice to me. You know, from my conversations with him, I think these qualities are central to the way Mickey has lived his life. From his childhood in Connecticut to his life here in our city in Oregon, he's lived according to these values, and it's been a really amazingly rich and full life. You know, I've really enjoyed my time with Mickey, and I've learned quite a lot from this wise, talented, and thoughtful man. And I guess I would add, uh, from my conversations with him, I, I guess I would say I'd like to add to the list, uh, his list, uh, the following. Uh, joy, a sense of wonder, and a well-developed funny bone. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll return next month for the last episode of the Insert Edition of Local Folks Podcast. It'll be a somewhat personal program about why I, uh, an aging local person who's getting a bit long in the tooth myself, take such comfort in a very secular origin story based on what science tells us about ourselves and about our place in the universe.